You're listening to AdvoCast, the adult education podcast. This podcast is being sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education and by Burlington English, the group that's been publishing educational material used by millions of learners around the world. Today, Burlington is a major supplier of digital material for individuals learning English. Burlington continues to grow, enter new markets, and introduce new innovations in language, teaching, and learning. And now, here are co-hosts, Aaron Verbornik and Sarah Hagegi. Hi. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. Welcome to AdvoCast. Yeah. Episode five. Can you believe it? This is the I... fifth episode. Is that I know. So it, I was celebrating the fifth episode. That's why I came to the Advocast Studio. How do you I like it? it? I love it. I love that that baby grand piano in the back. That I know that's special. <laughs> oh, this way. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's particularly for for us. So when we want to take a break, I'm gonna go and play some piano. Lovely. Uh, you'll be doing all of the all of the interludes right between guests. <laughs> Yep, that's right. <laughs> and we have some awesome guests today, too. Wow, tell me about them. Yes, <laughs> we do have um, Patrick Brown and Tammy Brown and one wonderful student, Erica Munoz, right? Yes, and um, Tammy and Patrick are from the Michigan Association of Continuing and Adult Education, which is called McKay. Uh, and we were in the Safe Fellowship with Tammy, so we know her from there. And funny story, she um, would talk about McKay in these meetings, like our Safe Fellowship meetings, and I thought McKay was somebody's last name. And I kept <laughs> thinking, who is this McKay who's doing like all of this amazing work? Like, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> And then it wasn't until like I saw it in writing and I had that moment of like, oh. <laughs> I know. I, I use, they usually use the backdrop that they have in my case sign. And I always thought the same thing, that that was a person, someone maybe from their college who's doing it, someone who's not present. Like, what? What's the connection? And then eventually, like, it clicked at some point. And I was like, oh, that's smart. That's it. And so McKay does do a lot and a lot of advocacy. And so that's, that's why we, we kind of snuck up on them and asked them, <laughs> begged them if they would join us today. That um, is very exciting. I'm very excited. Yes. And, and uh, oh, and they ahead. were, I was just going to say, and they were kind enough to, um, to recommend a student to come from Michigan as well. So we get to talk to Erica Munoz today about her experiences as an adult ed student. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I can't wait to talk to them and learn about all the good things that they are doing in Michigan and yeah. learn from them and implement them here in Arizona. Yes, because we are both involved in our state associations, right? Right, yeah, this is very exciting. It's good to have them. But before we start the show, I just wanted to acknowledge something. This is something that is very heavy on my heart. So as probably our audience, the listeners know, um, we pre-record most of our show. And um, 
the day that we are recording this, the day before, um, I mean, yesterday, um, the shooting happened in um, Texas in the school, in the school, Rod School. And it's very heavy on my heart. We are all in education. We are advocate for education. And I, I don't, I just don't have words and I don't know how their family and loved ones are um, surviving these days. It's very painful. It is. And it's such a coincidence because yesterday was also um, the anniversary of George Floyd. So I just wanted to mention this and honor things that are happening in our community. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, so it's hard to, it's a, uh, it's hard to, to continue move. after such a subject. Yes, it is. And our, I, I come, I also come from a um, community that was the subject of a, of a school shooting at um, a campus that I went to. I was in the building next door. So it is, um, yeah, it absolutely is something that unfortunately I think about when I walk in to teach my students and something that I'm, I'm sure our students are thinking about not only for themselves as they enter our classrooms, but you know, their hearts are also with their, their children. I don't know how the future will hold for children who experience seeing or experience this traumatic event, but I hope they stay in school and continue their school. Um, if they decide at some point that they can't tolerate school, which is very sad, uh, I hope they don't get to that point, but we want to make sure that we have our adult education programs ready for them. So at some point that they feel that they want to continue their education in a different setting, we welcome them and make sure that they are successful in our programs here. And that's why we are here today to learn and talk how we can successfully um, advocate for our programs right. so they get enough funding so we can help all these students. Adult education makes, makes the world a better place. That's right. That's right. Yes. Great. And that advocacy never ends. And Coeb is doing a lot of advocacy. So, you know, we love to have our legislative update just to let everyone in the field know what is happening. Because again, there are so many things that are on our plates. Our hearts and our minds are, are scattered in so many different places. It's just helpful to have, um, you know, a, a brief update of what's what's happening kind of behind the scenes right so, so tell us do you have good news i do and the good news is it is time for hot on the hill Ooh. You're listening to Advocast, the adult education podcast. And now it's time for What's Hot on the Hill with Aaron and Sarah. Take it away. I just love that music. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So we have 
kind of two quick updates. And the first one is on appropriations. So COEB is working with members of com Congress um, towards getting that goal of 810 million for adult basic education state grants for this upcoming fiscal year, 2023. And in the House, we have representatives John Yarmuth um, of Kentucky and Raul Grahelva of Arizona, who are leading a Dear Colleague letter that, and basically that's a letter that goes out to other representatives, um, kind of asking them to sign on and showing their support for adult education. Um, and so COEB is continuing to work with these champions and the signers of these letters just to support the funding through the entire process because of course these processes take weeks and months <laughs> um, and can sometimes feel a bit opaque <laughs> and unclear <laughs> from where I am down um, at the teacher role. And then the next one, which I think we will all be familiar with is the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. WIOA. So yeah, what do you call it? We call it WIOA. What do you call it? WIOA. Mm. And I've heard some people call it WIOA. We'll have to ask Tammy and Patrick what they call it. But yeah, we call it WIOA. WIOA sounds like the YMCA to me. <laughs> That's true. But I think it was um, a word related to one of the Native American uh, languages. Oh. That's why we stopped calling it WIOA and we are calling it WIOA. Ooh. I'll need to, yeah. I'm going to need to do some digging into that. That would be a, a very good reason to stop, <laughs> stop saying it like that. So basically the House of Representatives is expected to vote on the um, WIOA during the week of May 15th. Um, and that legislation contains several of COABE's recommendations. So three things that COABE would like to see would be, um, authorizing an innovative pilot performance accountability system, which would let programs you know, better measure those outcomes and demonstrate all the good work that they're doing. Second, to provide a dedicated increase in the amounts that programs can spend on professional development. And then third, supporting the development of improved credentials and quality standards just to enhance career pathways and ensure that our instruction is really effective. So by the time this airs, uh, the vote in the House has probably already taken place. But again, check into those um, COABE Connects newsletters that come out on Fridays. That's where you're going to get the most up-to-date federal legislative activity. That's wonderful. Can't wait. <laughs> and, and keep your eye out because there's that's also we are going to hear about if there's a three click. Yes, exactly. Don't forget the three click. It's as easy as just that's it. <laughs> You've been practicing that. That was great. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy. And I'm very happy that Representative Yaramud and Grihalva are working on that letter to get signatures from their yeah. colleagues that that is going to impact our programs greatly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's great having legislative champions for adult ed. Wonderful. Okay, how about if we take a short break and we come back and talk to our guests? Yes, I can't wait. 
You've been listening to Advocats, the adult education podcast. Your hosts have been Aaron Robonic and Sarah Hagigi. This podcast is sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. Now I'm your producer, Jeffrey Abramowitz. You can listen to this episode on Coed's YouTube channel or at www.coed.org. All right, so we are about to be joined by, there she is, Tammy Brown and Patrick Brown of the Michigan Association of Continuing and Adult Education. Welcome, Tammy and Patrick. Welcome. First and foremost, we are not related. That's the first question that's always asked. That was the question that I wanted to ask. Thank you for clarifying it. Welcome. As you can see, we have a new McKay logo. Our name is actually changed, Erin. It's the Michigan Adult Community and Alternative Education Association. Oh. So, so that was when just this spring. We changed it because we wanted to make sure we were more inclusive of all the programs we were working with. That's oh. wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, one of the one of the reasons for that was the C actually is for community. And so when you all were talking about the events of this past couple days, um, our organization really has representation from early childhood professionals all the way up through adult education. And so um, we, as you were talking, I just appreciate Erin and Sarah, you acknowledging that uh, because we have so many of our members that work with children on a daily basis, in addition to educating adults, if they're on the adult education side, but you know, we have uh, providers that do before and after school enrichment, and they also do um, summer school programming um, they might do community-based programming and, and also high school um, diploma completion programming too. So our members are, are feeling a, a connection in that way with those in Texas. So yes, the name change came this spring. We kind of did a soft launch and, um, you know, we are trying to be inclusive of all the different facets of adult education and kind of the extending partners around it as well. That's awesome. Can you repeat it one more time for me? <laughs> I'll try. Michigan Adult Community and Alternative Education Association. What? That's wonderful. What a I'm good say McKay because that's a mouthful. So okay. <laughs> Do you still call it McKay? Yes, it still actually uses the same acronym, and that's kind of why we selected it so that we could move the words around so we wouldn't have to change because everyone knows us as McKay in Michigan. So we didn't want to lose McKay, but we wanted to make sure we were more inclusive. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. I like that. And so I just wanted to learn more about you. Maybe we could just take turns and maybe we start with Patrick. Tell us about yourself. Introduce yourself, please. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. And I, I would say that we are here as an extension of our board and all of our members from our association. But I'm Patrick Brown. I'm the director full time at our state association and we're happy to work with Tammy, our wonderful president and our entire board of directors. And we also have a part time administrative assistant uh, on our staff as well. I started in adult education in a very roundabout way, as I've heard all of you talk about your experiences of getting into this field. Um, and I started in adult literacy and worked at a literacy center um, in the heart of Detroit, on the east side of Detroit, um, some years ago, and really kind of fell into it and, and did a summer internship through AmeriCorps VISTA and the AmeriCorps program. 
And then after um, I graduated uh, with the secondary English and Spanish degree, I wasn't able to find employment and education, which is ironic now because we have a major teacher shortage in, <laughs> in the education field right now. And so I started in adult education and worked through uh, an ABE program, an ESL program, and then several years ago started, um, had the opportunity to start at the McKay Association. And my responsibilities here have evolved over time. I really started focusing on outreach and communications within our association. And then within the last um, 18 months or so have moved into the director role and really have tried to help with the strategic partnerships and the planning um, that we have, our advocacy, uh, as well as continuing that communications and outreach work. So I'm just happy to be here and be talking about what we're doing in Michigan. Great, great to have you here. Thank you so much. How about you, Tammy? Hi. I've been in adult education for approximately 10 years. I actually started in enrichment. I owned um, a business hiring teachers to go teach art after school. And then I was working with Troy Schools on enrichment and helping them with their scheduling because I'm kind of, I love like scheduling and tasks and making things fit in. And so I ended up kind of slowly creeping into that world. And then when the adult ed director retired, I slid into the role. I had a master's of public administration, so I was eligible. And that's how I started in adult education. And then right away, I was introduced to McKay. And then all of a sudden, I was on the board of McKay as the treasurer. And now all of a sudden, I'm the president. And it's it kind of just happens. If, you, if you're involved at all, you get sucked in quickly. But it's, it's been amazing. So I'm actually, my full-time job is director for Troy Continuing Education in Troy, Michigan. Uh, we have a high level of ESL population. So we do, we're one of our largest integrated education and training groups through, we still call it WIOA. So we're going to have to find out about that because we right. can- I know, don't quote me on that. I'm no so expert in- WIOA or WIOA, we'll have to see because I've never heard that before. Yeah, um, yeah. So we do a lot of grant funding through WIOA and we have a state section 107 through MDE that also funds our adult education programs here in Michigan. So- Good. So you still call it WIOA? We call it WIOA as well, yes. Okay. Okay. But we, I have a note here to look into it. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Now, now I don't know. Let me know if I'm wrong because there might be a chance that I'm wrong. So I wonder if it's a, I wonder if it's a regional thing because I'm Midwest too. Yeah, I was thinking you know? that too, Erin. That could be yes. We'll have yeah. to, yeah, we'll have to ask ask people on social media do a poll <laughs> on how we pronounce how we pronounce it. Yeah. yeah, we need a poll for that. So, Patrick, you you mentioned that you are full time. So I'm I'm interested because that is just kind of completely wild <laughs> in my mind that there's a full time position. So just to kind of clarify for our listeners, how is your association leadership structured? Sure, sure. Um, it's, that's a great question. And what I'll just add before I kind of explain is that Tammy and I most recently attended with a delegation from Michigan, the COIP conference, and we ourselves were surprised at the makeup of other associations and the staff. And that's, we really appreciate COIP affording the opportunity for us to have that opportunity to learn and connect with other associations and, and be able to do that at most recent conference. And I look forward to continuing to do that. So our association um, has been around for almost 40 years. Next year is the 40th anniversary of McKay. And it's made up of a volunteer board 
from professionals um, across the field of adult education across our state. Um, the iteration of that board has changed over time from being maybe specific to a particular type or a program within adult education um, to regional or geographic representation. And so now our board of directors really has a wide demographic of, of representation of both of those different kinds of uh, programming aspects of adult education. Over time, it's changed from being made up of uh, a number of directors to now we have uh, positions from career navigators to, to program directors, to coordinators on our board. And that's kept up with the evolution of um, our board and, and just the evolution of the field in general and the responsibilities that people have. We also have folks that um, are on our board that their primary work is not necessarily adult education services. They also provide services in a K-12 setting or in a nonprofit setting and adult education is just one facet of a multitude of other programs that they're responsible for. So we kind of carry that wide um, representation. Um, we also have some ex officio partners on our board that are some of our strategic um, public policy, workforce development, um, Michigan Department of Education partners that are on our board, the Michigan Department of Corrections. Um, and then our, um, within the board, we have an executive board and that is made up of our president, Tammy. Uh, we have a vice president as well as a government and advocacy relations chairperson uh, and a treasurer and then a past president uh, if we have a past president. And so that's kind of the governing structure of our board. They oversee and help to drive the strategic planning of our association. Um, and through their work and efforts over many years, um, have been able to build the capacity of McKay to have and maintain staff. We have always had central office staff or some variation of that to keep membership and, and bills and accounts payable and that sort of thing. And then um, probably about five or six years ago, the board really had the drive to want to build up capacity around the programming and the advocacy. And so that is where this role that I've fallen into was created. And then the evolution of that has just been through our, our you know, stewardship of finances within, the, within our association, but also the strength of our members and their commitment and then the direction of our board and really their vision to see that this position is so important and necessary um, for communications, publications, strategic planning, and really that advocacy piece as well. Yeah, I would say it really came out of a need because director roles and other McKay membership roles have changed so much in the last 10 years. We wear many more hats. You know, everyone has the other duties as assigned, so they might have adult and alternative ed and maybe community ed or preschool or care. So there wasn't enough time in our schedules as a volunteer board to do everything we wanted to do. So the only way we could fill that capacity was with someone that McKay was their focus mm -hmm. so that we could support that person. But they were there on the day to day. They had their feet on the ground. And when COVID came, I mean, that's a perfect example. And I'm probably going into something we're going to talk about later. But when COVID hit, we were all in our programs trying to just work through what we were going to do day to day, how we were going to keep our students and staff safe, but still participating. We didn't have time to think about how we were going to support the whole state and all of our other peers, where Patrick jumped in immediately within a week and had webinars ready, um, Zoom PDs ready, and things to support us through that path. 
if we didn't have Patrick, McKay wouldn't have been nearly as beneficial during COVID. So that's just a perfect example of, you know, we get sometimes under pressure and timelines mm -hmm. that we can't do as much as a volunteer board as is needed to be done. So for all those associations out there, I would advocate if you can find a way to at least start with someone maybe part-time and work your way up, it's very critical to being able to be uh, have updates regularly, advocate regularly, and make sure your members are being communicated with as needed. That's a great example because just as programs really felt the hit of that sudden shift to online slash whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> happened in 2020, um, I, I imagine that a lot of state associations really had to put their work on pause just to be able to focus, you know, because our, our students come first, right? Focusing on the students and then um, hopefully many of them are starting to recover now and being able to focus on on that kind of that state level push, building those partnerships, as you mentioned, and the, the advocacy. That is very important and, and um, that will help with the advocacy work. But what a lot of states are dealing with is that they, they don't um, they don't have the, the, the budget. They don't have it in their budget to hire a full-time or even a part-time employee um, to do the advocacy work. So I just wanted to ask, how many members do you have? Yeah, we have over 400 members spread across uh, about almost 130 different organizations. Oh, that's wonderful. And what is your main source of income? Is it membership or do you have sponsors? Yeah, we have um, three different main revenue sources. That's our annual fall conference that we hold every every year. We also have our membership revenue. Uh, and then we have professional development uh, that we provide um, at a very, very, very minimal cost um, to our members. Um, usually it's held in person, but over the last couple of years, we've, as everyone, transitioned to a virtual format. Um, and then and then we do have sponsorships from different events or special mm -hmm. projects that we work on. Um, we do work with our state office and they help to support our fall conference and, and we may get small grants or projects like that um, for specific targeted work areas. Is there anything else that I'm missing, Tammy? No, I would just say the sponsors are usually our vendors that um, are highly used within Michigan, like mm -hmm. Burlington English um, or um, Adgenuity or Aztec or New Now I'm afraid if I don't say them all, I'm going to be in trouble because I'm not supporting them all. But we have wonderful <laughs> vendors that work with, with all of our um, membership in Michigan, and they have all always graciously helped support mm -hmm. our conference, our institutes, Sometimes even just our webinars, we'll do lunch and learns and they'll provide the lunch for a lunch and learn. So, so they're wonderful. a great partnership, but really our fall conference and our membership is, is the key yeah. to our, our funding levels. Um, we always appreciate feel the need that we, we need to increase our funding levels just because everything changes, staffing levels change. We would love to find a grant that would make sense for us. So I think that's going to be our next focus. That's part of our strategic plan that we're going to be updating in the summer is to try to find some grant funding that's more stable. And um, so we don't have to, you know, put so much pressure on our members to, to be the ones supporting by paying for PD and conferences and things like that. That's right. right. That's great. So Tammy, you were kind enough to share like a kind of an advocacy calendar with me that, um, 
that the the folks at McKay and I believe in, including Oogie Lamar, correct? Yes, shout out to Oogie. Yes. He will love that, Aaron. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> we are too. We are too. <laughs> lots of fans. <laughs> and that's and then then you helped me connect to to Patrick because it it brought a lot of questions to the forefront to me and one of the biggest questions that I have, because Sarah and I, we are passionate about advocacy. <laughs> um, and I talk to teachers and they say, yes, it's important, it's important. Um, but it can be a struggle to get, for certain associations that I've talked to, to get members engaged in advocacy. So how do you engage members and um, if, if it's something that, it, that you're really successful at now, how have you gotten to that point? Before Patrick speaks on the, the actual day-to-day -day of that, I will just say it's still a struggle for us as well. I think it's, I mean, it's a struggle for me to sometimes get my foot out there because, you know, mm -hmm. you have to build those relationships and that takes time where, like I said before, I'm always about, you know, check off things off my task list. And if that's not, if it's something that, oh, it would be great if I reached out to so-and-so and, -so and just gave them a quick update when I don't need something. But usually it waits until, oh my gosh, there's gonna be this change, now I need something. And that's not how you build right. a relationship. So we still struggle in Michigan with that, even with us that, you know, preach it and live it. I still struggle to do it right and timely and when I need to. So I think that's a struggle just in general with advocacy. It takes you out of your comfort zone. I mean, you guys have rocked, you guys make me feel like I don't do enough with all your social media posts. I just keep sharing and retweeting yours. So thank you for that work. <laughs> Patrick, do you want to talk more about the actual like workings of how we do advocacy in Michigan? Absolutely. I think for us, the game changer was in our state, we have really worked with a couple of really important public policy groups. And we've really learned a lot from them. And, and their primary focus was not necessarily adult education. We kind of had to talk to people outside of our little sphere, our little space, um, to make sure that are we on the right track or, you know, where are we going? And that was over um, a start something that started with our past leadership at McKay and then has continued with Tammy and the rest of the executive board and our current leadership. And so from those partners, we really learned that we needed to develop a, a really, not only a strategic plan, a long-term strategic plan, but really a long-term advocacy plan and what that looks like. And one of the most important things that we learned was that advocacy is continual, it's multi-layered, and it isn't always just about funding. I mean, that is obviously what we're trying to work towards, right? And that's kind of the base of what we're trying to increase and do. But there's so many facets of advocacy that will help that when we have to make those funding requests or asks, we've laid in the groundwork to be able to, to do that. And that is really a part of an advocacy continuum. And I think that was probably the most important lesson for us as a, myself as a, in a position to advocate and as our board to really get that sense of advocacy is really involved and needs to be a part of all of the things that we're doing, the programming that we're doing, the publications that we put out as an association, the communications that we put out. And so what we did several years ago was develop really two tools. One was a legislative engagement timeline, and it was a quarterly, over the course of a year, quarterly strategies for program providers that they could really hone into um, and utilize. 
and in strategies on how to be an advocate for their program. Some of them were uh, broken down by in-person activities that they could do with a policymaker. Some were just doing a phone call. Some were um, over um, written, you know, sending an email. Um, but part of that was building that strategy of there's lots of ways to share information about your program and what the work that you do at multiple intervals. And sometimes we know uh, you're just overwhelmed. Right now, the end of the program year, everyone is crazy, right? We're trying to get those posts in. We're trying to do all these things. But we have graduations. We have important events. We have student profiles that we're sharing now. We have success stories. That's a great time to remind uh, our members, and our members do this now, we've worked towards building that capacity to share that with policymakers. That's a part of advocacy. So that when we advocate in the fall for funding increases or when we advocate for the next budget cycle, they've made that connection with those policymakers and shared their story. The other thing that we did was develop an 18 month advocacy calendar. I'll just put a little asterisk there and say that then our friend COVID came along. And so we've, we've had to adjust that 18 months. It's turned into maybe a 24, 36 month calendar with some additions and deletions. We're going to reset it this summer. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, it's a total reset. And, and, but that advocacy calendar was important for us because we really need to lay the groundwork so that we weren't just being reactive to things that were coming out. Right. It's like, Oh, they, um, are suddenly they're testifying on adult education services or suddenly they're talking about integrated education and training and we need somebody to be there. Well, let's build that into our advocacy capacity so that we're talking to them months before they get to that decision-making time. Mm -hmm. And so that advocacy um, calendar and template really outlines different ways that as an association, we've committed to promoting that. That's, that's through our policy work that's through um, regional and local student speak events, which we can talk about a little bit. Um, it's also just through, like I said, those, those local um, connections that we can make, but it's also promoting and helping our, our members to see that they can be engaged in their local communities and sharing about the importance of adult education. Tammy is on her local um, several boards and, and is able to share out and, and to really be engaged with, here's a space for us to be involved as an adult education provider and be an advocate, not only for our county, but our region and, and our state. So um, those tools have been very helpful uh, for our membership at large um, to kind of stay engaged and to be encouraged and to know that there are templates and tools available we obviously use a lot of the COAB information as well. Um, during the- For all of our members to be a part of COAB so they get all of the three quick initiatives yes. and all of that advocacy. Right. That's, That's a great. must. That's an absolute yeah. must, yeah. That's so great. What a wonderful idea to have such, such a great calendar. That's gonna be a great resource for new advocate, advocates and seasoned ones. Um, yeah, it, it takes the guesswork out of um, <laughs> what should I be talking about or what can I talk about? You right, know, like if, right. if your background isn't in, uh, you know, digital literacy, you might feel like, ah, you know, with the Digital Literacy Act, I don't feel like I can really speak on that as much. But having those other opportunities, there's always something. Well, <laughs> it's really important to know when to advocate for what yes, as well. You yes. need to know 
when is the transition between you know the old and the new legislature mm -hmm. when are they talking budget when are they right doing language because otherwise you could miss the mark and you'll be too late right right so one of the issues that i usually uh deal with is that there are a lot of part-time instructors that are great um, advocates but only within their community whenever the time comes out which is a very good thing but they are interested in um, being in legislative meetings the problem is that usually we schedule our meetings during the time that they are teaching and they really want when I reach out to them uh, I really, um, they say that we really want to help, but if we want to request for a sub, then we're not getting paid for this class. Is there any support to your organization, your state association for these? Is there any stipend for, for these part-time instructors? No, not through McKay, but I will say as a program director that I do pay for my teachers to do PD or to attend student speaks or, or something like that. So if they're missing class because they're doing a student speak event or anything dealing with our students or our program, they I, as a program, make sure I budget to, to pay for that so that they're not doing that on their own time. You just have to be careful though that it's about informing right. and not lobbying. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a really fine line there. So. They'll, they'll be there to support and, and talk about what they do in the classroom mm -hmm. to inform them of what their classroom looks like, what their students look like, what their barriers and challenges are that they have within their classroom. They are never like talking specifically about funding or specific legislature. They wouldn't right. they wouldn't be comfortable doing that. They love to talk yeah. about the students in the program, right. but they leave that to me. <laughs> the other, oh, no, go ahead, Erin. I was just going to say, that's where having having those success stories, as you were saying, Patrick, about graduation, right? Tagging um, your your representatives in those pictures that you post and just kind of flagging them, making them aware is, it's advocacy, it's outreach, and it's celebration all at the same time. I, I love this time of year for graduation, I just. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. One, one other thing that I would add on to Tammy's point was that as an association, we've recognized, like what you were talking about, Sarah, how difficult it is sometimes to, sometimes you feel like you're advocating alone at the local level. It's like, I, I just don't have the time. And when I do, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. And so we've really taken a step back and said, what can we do to not necessarily have to, we still think a Capitol Hill day, bringing people together is important, but what are opportunities that we can engage and bring policymakers to programs? That's most important. So we have helped to schedule um, legislative visits at programs during class time. You know, it's less it's less than about what Tammy was talking about. It's not we're not lobbying at that point, but we're informing. We want them to see what programming actually looks like, who's actually mm. in the programs, what is kind of instruction and interaction is actually happening. And so if we can help set those up and kind of take that burden off of some of the local directors that maybe are unsure of how do I even go about that process. Um, the other thing I would say is that we've tried to set up a lot of virtual experiences with um, several programs. Legislators are doing virtual meetings, you know, and so that's another way that you can be engaged with them. And I think sometimes someone told us once, and, and, and Tammy will remember this, that 
I think sometimes as advocates we all, and as educators too, we always want to tell everything, right? And we want to like make sure that we check all the boxes. But someone told us about advocacy once with policymakers that it really is kind of giving them a sip of water each time that you talk with them. And so you have to kind of think about it in that way is that all these little interactions are all little sips of water and we're filling their water bottle with adult ed, good juice, you know, and we're, we're giving them little spurts every now and then. And so all of that will add up over time. And so if you can kind of think about that, and, and we've really thought about that, how can we kind of do these little um, things as well as the big events, um, but doing those little things over time are going to be really helpful and they're more valuable valuable experiences that is, for that is such a good example thank yeah. you for sharing that yes i think i've and made the mis oh sorry i was gonna say i think i've made the mistake of like drenching a legislator or two with like the proverbial <laughs> garden hose of like here's everything about adult education right <laughs> no i so that 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 you I, metaphors <laughs> i can totally picture that <laughs> right sometimes they need that Aaron. though sometimes they like, need that I can, wake up. Up. I can get loud and talk fast and be like Right. But and I, I like the idea of pulling out instructors and students as subject matter experts to absolutely. be present in the meetings and um, advocate for um, our programs. And I know that we are going to have one of your students actually yes. here as our guest, mm -hmm. Erica. Yes, I'm so excited. I am too. So Patrick and Tammy, Thank you so much for joining us. And we are gonna have you stick around so that you can speak with us and with Erica um, after our short break. You've been listening to Advocats, the adult education podcast. Your hosts have been Aaron Verbonik and Sarah Hagigi. This podcast is sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. Now your producer, Jeffrey Abramowitz. You can listen to this episode on Coed's YouTube channel or at www.coed.org. Hello. Welcome back. And hi, Erica. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Me. Thank you so much. Thank thanks. you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for joining Thank us you. on, on Coed's Adult Ed Advocast. <laughs> Wonderful. How I'm about if you so tell us about yourself? Uh, yes, um, I'm from Mexico. I came to the United States in 2017. And I just, I never expected this change of my life to be moved to a country that is not my country, but things happen. <laughs> and I'm here and I was very interested in to involved into the community and understand this new country, the culture, everybody. And the first, obviously, barrier that I have, I have is the language. My English is still not good at all. <laughs> but I try. As a tool, it's, it's hard to learn a new language. And, uh, but yeah, I just um, started studying in different schools until I found a uh, track and uh, through education and they give me the opportunity to uh, study there. And it was amazing. Amazing for me because they really helped me understand me and 
first of all, they support and, and encourage me to do the things because at first when I came here, you say, oh, I said change, I can do whatever, I, whatever, I don't care. Um, I, but they say, no, Erica, you have a lot of education, so why do you not keep in that path or try to do something? So I, they give me a scholarship to study paralegal and I finished uh, yeah, last August. Uh -huh, last August, I complete the whole program and then apply for a job and I have a job. I did never, I never, <laughs> I, yes, I just excited about it. I, and I love my work. Everybody's so nice there too. So, but it was hard. I mean, it still is hard. Every day is, every day is a challenge for me, but I try and I try hard and I'm happy and living here and meet everybody. It just, uh, I'm excited. That's wonderful. And Erica, as, as an ESL teacher, don't sell yourself short. Your English is amazing. Um, there are native English speakers who would struggle so hard to get through paralegal. That is another level of English. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I second yes. what you just said. We are so happy to have you here. We are proud of all your success. Uh, and you've been a you've been an advocate, and we want to learn about all your experience about um, advocacy work that you've done and um, how you used your voice to help and support the cause, the programs that you studied in. Yes, I mean, I, I participate in, in helping the students, the, the students that are now in the program on track. And I just encourage them. I try to do the same thing uh, that they do with me, that they didn't, that they did with me. And it, for me, it's an honor. Yeah, you know I mean, it's, and I, I just try to explain them that whatever they want to learn, they will succeed. Because they have everything there. You know what I mean? They, they have all the tools and the correct tools. And so to become whatever they want to be. So it's, it's, it's amazing that all these, um, that we have access to these, all these education tools. And I just comparing because it's obviously I comparing. I I I believe I never gonna get this kind of tools in my country, for example. So I'm so lucky, and they be so proud and lucky to have all these resources and take advantage of that. Because um, I don't know. I admire all my life all my teachers, and I feel so proud. I mean, and uh, to have an opportunity to keep uh to keep in my education every day or improve myself and learn more every day from whatever but i i i think so every i think very important education for everybody it opens too many doors too many uh, for me education is is the best that can happen to me and i I really, I feel very uh, humble, I mean, to have this opportunity 
and express a little bit myself. And but I don't know. It's just I am just uh, very grateful with the program because I, without the program, I don't think so. I get it, that job. I don't think so. Feel confident as I feel now, and. It's amazing. Uh, it's a great opportunity for everybody. And I hope so, um, who the listeners understand that you, you have these tools available for everybody. If you want to be, become somebody, you, you will. I mean, yeah. there, there are the, the opportunities, the, the resources. So it's just to decide it, to be, become a better person, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, Can I just add, Erica, that we are the ones that are so lucky to have you as part of our program because you are giving back. You've also participated in a video, like we did a little advertisement for. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you're always willing to step up and sometimes I'm sure out of your comfort zone to support mm -hmm. the program that supports yes. you. So That's we great. appreciate you. I can't, My face is hurting because I'm just smiling and beaming so much while you're talking. I'm just so proud. But <laughs> I, you have a lot for us as well. I'm so grateful, really. I'm so grateful. I'm hopefully uh, all the students that are now feel the same way because it's, it's a reality. I mean, I just told them when I told them, like, please just follow that they tell you in it because there are the, the tools that they give it to you is the the right tools. Right. You need to right. and I <laughs> I know my own students have expressed like oh, I wish that I could hear from a student who's done this. You know, like I wish I had a role model, mm -hmm. a mentor to walk me through this. Like no offense to you, teacher, but someone who's taken this path. <laughs> and so you are certainly making a huge impact not just on the program but on those individual lives also sharing your stories will empower the program to just go to our funders and say see our program is really doing a great job so if we want us to continue doing a great job we can continue funding us so we can serve more people yes, so brave course. peoples like you you are doing an amazing job putting yourself there out there and just sharing your success stories to inspire the whole community to share how wonderful and how much needed these adult adult ed programs mm -hmm. are. So it is. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, so, I mean, learn, learn is a very important thing, I think, so for everybody. That's true. So, yes, um, hopefully everybody understands that. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't express enough what a, what a pleasure it has been hearing your, your story and what you are doing, um, oh, because I, I hope that maybe more students will feel empowered to talk to others, right? Talk to their neighbors, talk to people who are currently enrolled because word of mouth is really powerful and of everybody who you can see on your screen right now right like your story is the one that matters right oh, thank you you. Mm. you are the one that we are all doing this for and so the fact that you are giving giving back is just it's incredible 
It's, it's the last. I mean, I understand. I was teacher too sometimes in, in my country. I just, uh, and it's important. I, I love uh, my teachers. I, so all the people here I learn. So for me, it's so important. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So Tammy and Patrick and Erica, do you have any social media handles that if our listeners have any questions they can share, they can shoot you their questions? Tammy, do you have any social media handles? At Choice CE Online or our Troy Continuing Education. And if you find the website is just choiceonline.com. You can find the advertisement that Erica is in, the video that we helped create that she is in if you want to see a little highlight of Erica. Wow, wonderful. Erica, what's your social media handle? Oh, I I don't into too much on that social media. No. So I prefer to, I just, I have Instagram, but I just, it's private and I prefer to keep it like that. But I can share my email if you want it. With sure. Perfect. Yes, it's Erica M period M M U N O Z at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you. And Patrick, what's your social media handle? Yeah, you can follow us. I'll, I'll give our association is at McKay, M A C A E today, like today. We're on all all the major uh, social media platforms. So follow us on all of those. We absolutely will. Um, I'd like to say, does anybody want to say a final word to our listeners today before we wrap up? I just say thank you um, for this opportunity. And I would encourage others to join if you're asking for other volunteers or guests. They make a very easy process. And just continue the hard work that you do. And advocacy is so important. It comes in many facets. And you have great uh, all-star leaders here and Aaron and Sarah as, as advocates. And we're so proud of Erica. And thanks again to Tammy and all of our other directors in Michigan. And thanks for this opportunity. Yes, thank you. Thank yeah, you so much. I just so want to do an extra special thank you to Erica for, mm-hmm. for being brave enough to come on and support this podcast. And for those out there, this is a great step. If, if they ask you to come on, please do. It's good practice for advocacy too, because you know, you're talking to a lot of different people that you don't really know in advocacy as well. So it's great practice. And it's a great way to get your students some experience stepping out of their comfort zones and speaking in other avenues. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you again. So grateful. All right. Thank you all for joining. We are thrilled. It was a great conversation. And I know um, Patrick and Tammy, we will definitely be seeing you around in COEB functions and webinars. And Erica, I will definitely try to keep in touch with you because I'm excited to hear about the impact that you're you're leaving on your community. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all. You're listening to AdvoCast, 
the Adult Education Podcast. This podcast has been sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education and by Burlington English. You can find us at coave.org or on Coave's YouTube channel.